Amen. Thank you so much, Brian and Amy, for that and, and being able to pull that off in your living room as well. And it takes a bit of an effort to pull this type of setup off, uh, even right here in, in our house. It, it took for us uh, a videographer, somebody who could kind of work the video camera here uh, for us. And it took a, a good director kind of pointing us in different directions, telling us what to do and how to do it. It took a, a producer just kind of to work the computer and, and to kind of put it all together for us. And, and of course, uh, it took a good cue card person because for everyone in our live studio audience here, both of them, we needed the direction. So they needed to know when to do uh, what they needed to do uh, as well. So it takes a, a good, fake a laugh. Well, no, that's not right. That's not very nice. Oh, but I want to appreciate my family for helping pull this off uh, this morning. And I'm so glad you're with us today as we celebrate the risen Lord. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want to do a little exercise with you to start this morning. Now, imagine that you have this scale uh, that you're working off, uh, zero to 100, right? And on this scale, you want to place yourself in how good you think you are. Now, let's just say for a second, 100, we're talking like, that's like God. That's like Jesus, right? 80, 90, we're talking about like Mother Teresa, Billy Graham type of thinking, right? And uh, over here, zero, we're talking about like, you know, axe murderers, right? Or people that leave the lid off the milk carton. Uh, or uh, your average blue, Duke Blue Devil fan, like, like that's the zero range. So you just decide where would you place yourself in this scale? Where would you put yourself? How, what type of score? There's one universal truth I'd like to work off this morning. It's this. All of us have fallen short of God's standard for our life. This is just a universal truth. Like God's standard of holiness and perfection to measure up to who he is and what his nature is. We've all fallen short of that. The Bible actually tells it to us. Paul is writing this in the book of Corinthians. And he actually tells it this way. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious, there it is, his glorious standard. Now we know this, right? I mean, you and I, we understand this, that we've fallen short of this. We don't measure up. We've blown it before, we'll blow it again. Not just in what we did, right? We've blown it in the way we thought. We've blown it in how we didn't do something that we knew we probably should have done for someone else, right? We understand this. Well, this universal truth actually leads us to a universal question as well. This universal question is this, how can we be made right with God? Like, if I have not measured up to God's standard, well, then how do I be made right with God? How does that work for me? Now, here has been the common thought. It shows up everywhere. Whether you're watching a TV show or a movie or you're having a casual conversation, or this idea slips into just about every fabric of our culture, just about anywhere. And it's this concept that good people go to heaven. It's good people who are made right with God. So if we think about that in terms of uh, uh, that, if you're good enough, right, or if you're just deemed good, well, then you go to heaven in the end, right? Or you're made right with God while we're here on earth enjoying our life. Take a look at yourself back on this scale again. That would mean if I'm looking at this scale, like I've got to figure out where in this place is good enough. What does that look like? What score is that? 
Now, you might know, you can win an election in our country. Most elections across the nation, you can win with 51%. 51% wins you an election, which means that sounds pretty good, right? That's good, 51 Now, if you were in school, you might not think 51 is very good, but you might think, hey, got C's, right? I got C's. Or you might say D's get degrees, right? You're saying that's good enough. But no, no, no. You A and B students, right? You're out there saying, no, you know, 3.0, 3.5. That's good enough. What is good enough? Like, what does that really look like to say I am good enough? We live so much off this principle. We see it in all of our culture, in all of our media. Good people go to heaven. Good people are made right with God. But we would really, really struggle with this concept of how much is good enough. What does that really look like? Imagine like you are at the death's door, right? And you're sitting just over 50%. But your last day of your life was a doozy, right? And you just, you just were not good. And you slipped into that high 49%. And if that was the cutoff, and then you're like, hey man, sorry, stinks for you. You know, you did pretty good for a long time, but it's the final score that counts. How good is good enough? What does that really look like if that is the common thinking of our culture and of our media? In fact, think about it in terms of this. If you base being made right with God on your performance, you'll never have peace. You'll never have peace in God because you're always concerned. Am I good enough? Did I do right enough? Oh, did I slip a little bit today? Does that count or does that not count? I think that was pretty good. I don't know. We're always, always rolling this over if we're trying to base it all off our performance. Listen, here's what really is the correct message that God teaches us. We're not made right with God by what we do for God, our goodness. We're not made right that way. Instead, we're made right with God by accepting what he's done for us. Can you see the difference here? Not what we do for him, what he has done for us. That's a powerful message this morning. In fact, that may be the thing that you needed to hear most as you're striving, as you're trying to live a good life and to earn yourself. You're basing it on your performance. All the time, God's saying, hey, could we start? Could we just start with the concept of what I have done for you and to receive that and accept it and believe that this morning? That may be what... You need to hear. So what are we saying? We're saying good people don't go to heaven, right? Good people don't go to heaven. Restored people do. Restored people. It's people that find what God has done for their life, how God has healed them and redeemed them and restored them in himself. Those are the people that find themselves right with God. Here's what I want to do. I want to share with you a passage this morning. Now, this is kind of unique because normally we would take a passage like this and we might share it at a Good Friday service or we might share it at another time when maybe we're even talking about the death of Jesus on the cross. But I want to make sure you hear this and see this because I'm not sure there's a more powerful passage in scripture 
that helps us understand in a real practical application this whole concept of good versus God's way. It's found in Luke chapter 23. Take a look at Luke chapter 23, verse 32. It says this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. Now, they're heading out to be crucified. And you've got to understand on this crucifixion thing that the reason the Roman Empire crucified uh, these people was to set an example. Because what they would do is they would deem somebody worthy of crucifixion as somebody who actually had kind of sinned against the Roman Empire in some way, shape, or form. And so crucifixion was the best way, public, right there on the roadside, right there for everyone to see this type of painful and excruciating death. And so in this particular occasion, Jesus is being led out to be crucified. We know that story as we, we study that and look at that and reflect on that during Holy Week. But two criminals were sent with him, you know, like, hey, more of the merrier kind of thinking. And so two criminals went with him to the cross. And so one of the criminals, we actually find in verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us with his dying breath, right? With his last few moments, this guy is so bitter, so angry that he turns to Jesus, knowing a little bit of Jesus's reputation, and he actually mocks Jesus and insults him. Listen, this guy is on the cross for the reasons I just said. I mean, this guy is showing up down in the, the towards the zero place, but in his last few breaths, he's mocking and insulting. Jesus. But then we actually get a word from the other criminal. Verse 40 says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? Listen, we are punished justly. And look at this, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. He even thought, hey, this is how it works based on how good I was. And if he was rating himself, he was pretty low. But this man has done nothing wrong. Take a look at our scale uh, again. This guy is saying, look, we are the worst. We're way down low. And we're getting exactly what we deserve. Then he said this very interesting thing to Jesus. We find it in verse 42. He said, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is what he's saying to Jesus. Would you just remember me? As if every once in a while uh, in a, a movie where we love to watch, there's a, a scene where somebody is, they're right on the edge of passing away and they're having this last second interaction with somebody either at their bedside or on the battlefield or somewhere. And they always have some little parting word and they might say something like, you know, think well of me or tell my wife I loved her. That's in the same vein as what's being said here, that he's saying to here, look, Jesus, would you remember me? Would you remember these last couple words I shared that I looked at you and I thought, you're, you're not us. You didn't do what we did. Remember me. Jesus' response is absolutely amazing. 
Because the, the prisoner is not saying, hey, hey, remember me. Like, hey, can you do something for me? He's sitting next to, or to you, hanging next to somebody who's going to be dead in just a little while. The same as him. But as he looked at him, he just said, would you just think well of me? This is Jesus's amazing response. Verse 43, Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And what is Jesus saying? Jesus is actually saying, look, I don't need to remember you. You're going to be with me in glory, in my kingdom. He refers to it as paradise. Today you'll be with me. Those are powerful words. I mean, Jesus could have said, listen, man, I would. I, I really would. I appreciate what you just said. I appreciate you kind of rebuking that other criminal there. But listen, this is how it works. And you know it. Uh, it's how good you are. And by your own confession, you've been terrible, man. You've been terrible your whole life. In fact, your, your scale is so tipped in the bad right now. Like, man, there's just nothing I can do. That's just how the system works. That's not what Jesus did. And you know it. And you would never expect it from Jesus. In fact, it makes no sense for us to kind of live our days buying into this concept of goodness and good deeds when we would never think that Jesus operates that way. Jesus looks at him and he says to him today, you'll be with me in paradise. I don't really care. I don't care about the deeds. I care about what's going on in your heart right here, right now on this moment. Jesus is basically saying this, listen, good people don't go to heaven. Good people are not made right with God. That's not how it works. Restored people do. Restored people. People that God has restored to himself through their faith in him. That's who's made right with him. That's who Jesus is talking about. And just a simple thing by saying, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Listen, that may be the word that you just need to hear today, that you have this opportunity to be restored, redeemed, made right with God simply through your faith in him, not through your good deeds. Now, that's not to say God doesn't want to transform us to live a good life, to be a blessing to other, to be holy as he is holy, but that's not where it starts. It starts with our faith and our trust in him that his way and what he has done through Christ dying on the cross and today raising from the dead, conquering death, that death doesn't have to have victory over us. Here's what I want to do in the last few minutes that we have. I want to walk you through what we're calling the ABCs of the Gospels. Just three simple things to help you this morning if you are ready to say, I want to live that as well. I want I want to say, yes, it's not about just the good deeds. It's about my faith in God and living that out. I want to walk you through what that looks like. Here's the first. We've got to just admit you have a problem. Let's, let's just admit it, right? You have a problem. The problem is we cannot overcome our deeds and our, our actions or whatever we deemed good or is it good enough. We can't overcome that and declare ourselves right with God because we've just done good things, even the best of us. So we have to admit there's a problem. There's a problem in our logic. There's a problem just in the way we've been processing. There's a problem in this equation we've put together in our head, and maybe maybe because of the culture, cultural influence 
that if I'm just good enough, I'll be okay. We've got to admit right away as a problem. James actually helps us in this, James chapter 2. He says this, For the person who keeps all the laws except this one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. What's James getting at there? James is actually saying, look, um, if we don't keep all of it, I mean, even if we mess up with one, it's almost like we're still guilty in God's eyes. And so we have to understand there's a problem there. Now, you got to understand, God loves you and me so much that he wants to restore us. He wants to live in great relationship, right relationship. In fact, we say it in terms often, God is pursuing you every single day. He's pursuing you out of his love for you. But we have to first admit there's a problem there. There's been a problem in how we've approached this whole thing. Here's the second thing, is that we need to believe that Jesus is the answer. What's the answer to this problem of, of am I good enough? The answer is found in Jesus Christ. The answer is found in receiving and accepting Christ and saying, Jesus, your death on the cross, okay, that took, that took care of all the deeds thing. That took care of all the things. Anything that I might have done wrong, anything that didn't help me along that scale, that's taken care of. It's taken care of for my past. It's taken care of for the rest of my days. That forgiveness is there through your act on the cross. But I've got to believe that you're the answer for my life as well. You're the answer for that problem, but you're the answer for life every day that I would live in you and that you would build me up and grow me and give me the life that I so want to live anyway. That answer is actually found in you. The greatest of all verses that's quoted more times than any other, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Believes in him. And that doesn't just simply mean believes it's he exists, he's here. You know, like I would believe this stand is here. But no, it's saying I believe. Like I am declaring this is truth. This is actually a better way. Take a look at what we actually find in the book of Acts here. It says salvation or being made right with God. So don't just think of salvation as, you know, because I, you know, it's like my fire insurance. I get to go to heaven one day. It's being made with right with God right here, right now. Salvation being made right with God is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. We find that Jesus is the answer. There's no other name that carries the weight and the authority and the power to bring salvation, to help us be made right with God, to live the life that he's offered. Admit we have a problem and believe that Jesus is the answer. But then finally, there's one more thing. Commit your life to following Jesus. Saying, listen, I, I understand the problem. I want to believe the truth of Jesus Christ. But now commit to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to follow Jesus now. I want to say his ways are probably better than my ways. And so I want to commit to actually following him. We find this in Matthew 4, chapter 17. Jesus actually, as he's coming on the scene, just before he preaches that thing called the Sermon on the Mount, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. This is what he preached. Repent. 
for the kingdom of God has come near. What does he mean when he says that? Well, repent just simply means to turn away, to turn away. So I can repent from anything. If I'm like, man, my belly is growing since I've been quarantined to my house because I'm eating all day. I would say, hey, I'm going to repent, right? I'm going to turn away from the tub of ice cream, right? And go, I don't know, towards the bowl of fruit. That probably will never happen. But uh, I'm repenting. I'm turning away. That's simply what this means. And what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, look, the kingdom of God, don't think of just heaven down the road. The kingdom of God is the real God present in our lives right here, right now, and for eternity. That's the kingdom of God. That's what's understood. So Jesus is saying, look, the kingdom of God is here. So repent, turn away from anything that would prevent you from experiencing the real presence of God in your life every moment. Turn away from that. It's like, it's like Jesus saying, here is a wonderful gift. Now, why would you put any obstacle in your life? Why would you put any barrier in your life that would prevent you from experiencing the gift that's offered? The kingdom of heaven is near. It's here. It's come. So turn away from that. That's what Jesus is talking about and declaring here. Take a look at John uh, chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, this is what he spoke. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, look, if you would follow me, if you would learn from me, if you would gain my ways and understand what I'm sharing and who you can be in me and understand this real presence of God, we call that the light of life that you get life, this rich, deep, real walk with God. Now, it doesn't mean you won't have hardships. It doesn't mean you won't have difficult times. You may be going through one right now. Maybe it's related to the pandemic. Maybe it's financial. Maybe you've discovered when you got home that your marriage situation uh, is in a little bit of a jeopardy now that you're spending every moment. Or you understand the relationships within your home have some, some working to do. Jesus says, if you would follow me, I want to give you the light of life. I want to start building into you and teaching you and growing you and transforming you. That's what Jesus wants to do in our life. That's powerful. Now, you might say, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I look at these other Christians. There's some super Christians out there. I can't even imagine myself. I don't even understand what the Bible's talking about, Tom. Sometimes you say the Gospels. I couldn't even find those in the Bible to save my life. Listen, you start with where you're at right now. You don't have to get to a point. You just start right now. In fact, this is what the phrase that I've often used, I want you to hear this morning, for you to simply give everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. Everything you know of yourself. Look, this is who I am. This is how I think. This is how I operate. These are, these are the addictions of my life. These are the terrible thoughts of my life. These are the things I do well and, and how I bless and, and how I think well. This is who I am. I'm going to give everything I know of myself to everything I know of God. Listen, today the reality is you may only know about God based on what I'm sharing in the last 20 minutes. That's your starting point. Now you give yourself over to what you just learned about Jesus. 
and you start learning more about Jesus. You start learning more about God. And here's the beauty. The more you learn about Jesus and God, the more you actually learn about yourself, right? It's like a mirror is held up and you start to really see who you are. And the more you see who you are, guess what? You just, you just learn more that you can give over to God and give over to Christ. And he'll receive it and transform you. It's amazing what he does. So the ABCs, you have to admit we've got a problem. Believe Jesus is the answer, but then commit your life to following Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to make a practical step this morning. For you, your practical step could be, I'm going to get myself plugged into a church. You're not just online. We're doing this now. It's working great, but I'm actually going to get plugged in to a church. When we're allowed to be in physical proximity again, I'm going to rub shoulders and have community with other Christians, and I'm going to start growing and learning more about Jesus. You can actually today say, I'm going to actually going to open up this Bible, and I'm going to start reading. I mean, my family's owned one forever, right? Maybe I should look at it. And I want to encourage you, just open up the book of Mark. Just flip till you find it. It's okay if you have to hunt for it. And just look at Mark and say, I'm going to start reading from chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm just going to read about Jesus. If you do that, jump to one of those other Gospels, either to the left or the right, and read some more about Jesus. And you will learn what to do to follow Jesus. Those are practical steps. Now, before we end, there is always these misconceptions. There's always these things, yeah, but, I mean, I would do that. I mean, they really sound, that's the direction I need to go, but, and there's these things that pop into our head. Here's the first one that, that pops in. I've messed up too much in my life. Like I've blown it too many times. Listen, you have just reverted into the thinking of how good am I? And I'm not good enough. Remember, God has just thrown away that system entirely. It was never his system to begin with. So don't mess yourself up because you're thinking this. That's a misconception. Throw that aside. You've never messed up too much for the love of God. God looks at you right now and says, I love you so much. I never had a scale to begin with. I just want you this morning to understand there was a problem. I'm the solution, Jesus says. Now come follow me and let me show you something amazing. Another misconception is I still got a lot of questions. I mean, I've got so many questions. As if you could never come to God with questions. Here's what I love about God is God, uh, Christ asks questions. Like crazy, if you read the Gospels, Jesus loved to put things in question form. He loves to hear our questions as well. God is so big and he loves us so much, he can handle your questions. So come and ask those questions and keep asking. Find a mature Christian that you would ask questions. How does this all work out? Well, I read this verse here. That just sounds a little weird. Ask these questions. And we'd love to process the answer. So the third thing, and this is a big one, we think, I need to get my life in order first. Sometimes when we say this, what we're really thinking, what we're really doing is we're dwelling on our past failures. We're looking at the times where we launched into something and we blew it. We look at those times where we said, look, I am, I am launching into it. I'm never going to do that again. I'm putting that addiction aside. And you made it two or three days and then you found yourself right back in it. Relapse, right? Or maybe you say, look, I'm going to get this relationship right. And then just 
Just a short time into it, you're like, man, I blew that in that relationship again. We dwell on our failures. And what we're saying here is, I don't want to launch out into something else and just blow it and fail again. So once I can get myself to this level where I'm like, hey, I'm really doing this good, then maybe I'll add some God into this. Maybe I'll add this, this whole Jesus thing you've been talking about into it. And God, again, in Christ is saying, look, that was never my system to begin with. I never said like, hey, if you reach level seven of the success ladder, then let's talk. In fact, it would seem the way we understand the characters of the Gospels in the New Testament, Jesus actually says, I'm going to go right into the troughs and start to select my crew. That's where I'm going from. So you need to know this morning the hope of no past failure. No past failure invalidates you from receiving what Christ has to offer right here, right now, this morning. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to close us in a time of prayer. And as I do that, I want to invite you this morning to say yes to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to say yes to following Jesus and making a commitment. Even if you know only a little bit about God right now, that's okay. I want to invite you to get off the good system and get on the Jesus system this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to lift up your word. We give you praise for a risen Savior. Father, I know if it's only one person who's listening that needs to hear this this morning, I think there's many more, Lord, but if there was just one that needs to understand it is not a how good are you system. That's not how it works. It's not how many points will I earn when I go on and will I make it enough to be in glory. Father, this morning you have said that whole system is a big problem. The solution is you, Jesus. The answer lies in what you did. You went to the cross. You took care of of all the forgiveness. Lord, that if we would come and we would just say, Lord, I've sinned. I've blown it. I'll probably blow it again. Forgive me, Lord. That Jesus, you do it. But then understand you are the answer, Lord, to not just that, but you're the answer to where we're not finding life. That we're not finding all that you have to offer. You are the only answer to that. So this morning, I want to ask, Lord, even if it's just one person, if it's you this morning, that as we're praying right now, that you just in your heart, you would speak to God And you would say to him, Lord, I recognize the problem. And this morning I understand that Jesus is the solution. That you would declare that. That you would believe that Jesus' death on the cross, that him raising from the dead, that that provided the answer for your life. And it brings, as we read earlier, the light of life to you. And then this morning, in your heart, just declare this to God. I want to follow Jesus. I'm declaring my desire right now to follow Jesus. I don't know a ton about Jesus, or or maybe you do, and now it's the time to put it into practice, but I'm going to start to follow Jesus. And I want to learn more about him. I want more more about who I can be in him. I'm going to follow. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I believe you're the answer. And Lord, I commit to follow today. For everything that I do know about you and everything I know about myself, I choose to follow you in that today.
in an instant. You are what is referred to as a child of God. You're always loved by God. You're, he always looks at us as children. But there's this unique little phrase that you are a child of God by your belief. And all heaven rejoices this morning because of your commitment. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Hey, if you this morning did that, if you, if you had a, a commitment, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you in just a moment when I give you the email address. I want to encourage you to email this address uh, that we'll receive, just myself and our admin staff. And I want to celebrate with you. And then I want to connect with you. Uh, and I want to tell you where you go from here, how you start to grow, and where you begin on this journey. Now, we'll be apart because that's what's going on in our world right now. But we can resource you and help you and figure out where you go from here. Hey, next Sunday, we actually start a brand new series. It's going to last for a while. It's called The Power of Clarity. You ever want clarity in your life on different issues? Well, that's what we're walking through. We just believe that God's word, specifically God's new covenant of the New Testament, gives us this great clarity of how we live our life. And so next week, we're going to start a series that will last about six weeks. So we encourage you in this format, whether we're in living rooms here or we're, whether we're live streaming from the church. And our prayer, of course, is we'll be back together as a body in the church by the time this series is over. But that starts next week. We want to encourage you to come back and for you to invite some friends and family to plug in as well and hear this series. Now, uh, if during this pandemic time, there is any issue going on, any way we can bless you, any way we can serve, we need to hear your story. We need to know what's going on. And here's one of the best ways. If you would just email office at windoverhills.org and let us know what was what's going on. If you're new to our church through this broadcast this morning, introduce who you are and let us know how we can connect. And we'd love to sit and talk with you and, and just process how we can be a blessing. This morning... If you made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, would you email this and let us know? It could be a simple little line that just says, hey, my name is so-and-so, and this morning I chose to follow Jesus Christ. We'd so love to hear that. In fact, we would like to encourage you actually right here, right now, this moment, right, to do that. Just pop out your phone and bring up that email right now. Type this in and just write us just a quick little email. Even right now would be great. We'd love to. To hear from you. Well, it's been a great morning with you. The Lord bless you. Have a great rest of your Easter Sunday, and we will see you again next Sunday. Lord bless.